Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it is that time of the week. It is the best Tuesday you've had all week, and we are dialed for the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, David Littlejohn, joining me as most of the time, really. Mm-hmm. You're here yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Right? That's true. Matt Dixon, welcome. I'm here. And today. Have we we got we did something unorthodox today? We made notes. Yeah, actual notes. Um, I'm not going to call this significant preparation, but <laughs> As I am you pull going out to call the scribble this pad. <laughs> actual preparation. It's, I think it counts. It, well, it turns out there are things that we just need to cover today. Yeah, there's okay? a lot going on. We do. Uh, we've got sort of a, a, a fun show today. We're going to give we're going to talk a little bit about the markets here. Just a little bit, right? We're going to talk about how about this one? We're going to talk about Christmas, right? Or we can call Are it the you? holidays or whatever else, but specifically the spending part. Woo! I thought you were going <laughs> festive there for a moment and then it came back to money. It'll be about money. We'll make it interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about how Christmas gets paid for. Right, and then perhaps the most fun we'll have all day. You got to stick around to the end. We have a new segment we're rolling out. We've we've beta tested this before, but we're gonna we're gonna give this a soft launch here. It's definitely mm. gonna be a New Year's trend. Is the idea of what we are now calling financial terms? Can you right? spell that out so that the listeners really get that? F A U X financial. Fake financial terms, and this is the way this contest works. If you are interested in playing, you can do this. You can email to info at littlejohnfs.com. You can text to our our number, 541-375-0898. What we are looking for is a term that sounds like it should be a financial term, okay? But it's actually not. It's fictional. And what we will do is we're going to pick from whoever is on the list. So if you want recognition, include your name. And if we select one of them, we'll, 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 we'll use it on air. We'll provide a definition. And we are going to start our own glossary online. So we're going to – this is the surprise to staff too, right? We're going to create a special section within our webpage, and we're going to start collecting these terms. And over – the weeks and months to come, we will develop our own financial dictionary. I love it. Okay? And this is going to be curated from you, our listeners, the smartest people we know. You know, if we turn that into a book, it could be a bestseller. It really could be. And so that's that's the fun we're going to have with this. So financial terminology. Okay? And we're going to create the financial glossary or the financial dictionary Hang on. And you heard it here first. We're officially calling this our trademark out party, right? So we're trademarking financial, and we're going to go with it. I like it. So we start with uh, the the markets today, which were big up, and then they started to give it back, and then they finished up a little bit. Yeah, they were kind of all over the board, weren't they? Kind of all over the board. Uh, We did see an interesting mix of predominantly risk on meaning almost everything that p- 
people have been buying in the equity space went up. A few things didn't, right? Uh, Tesla, definitely black eye. I think mm -hmm. this is the, the Elon phenomenon. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to say, like, it's a thing. Mm. So uh, when it, for a while, uh, Golden Boy right now, definitely Whipping Boy. <laughs> yeah. Isn't <laughs> just, it crazy how that flip-flopped? It is amazing, and uh, you, we can all have our theories as to why. Not relevant for today's show, but it's interesting because that had been a risk-on asset. Like, when the markets were up, Tesla had gone up huge. Today, Tesla continues its slide while the markets are climbing. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, interesting dynamic there does suggest maybe a little bit of a stock pickers market. Ooh. Matt, what do I mean when I say stock pickers market? I think you're just making a general term of, hey, you know, like instead of just tracking an index that can be volatile, maybe there's a few winners inside of that pot. Right. Uh, to me, it means that there may actually be advantage to trying to... Let's pick the say, winners. Pick, yeah, sort the good and the bad, mm -hmm. right? When when everything's going up, right? This is a Warren Buffett phrase, by the way. Warren Buffett one time said, "It's not until the tide goes out that you see who's skinny dipping." Ah, right. That's a good one. <laughs> and so here we have what is potentially a, a difficult market ahead of us, or difficult. Let's not say market economy. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, if we talk about the economy, there are headwinds, right? Yeah, Interest we, rates are high. Sure. Okay. Which means the cost of getting loans is high. Loans are used for all kinds of activity in our economy, whether you're buying a house, you're funding a business. And, and people don't think about this in business a lot of the time, but a lot of businesses have lines of credit. And those lines of credit are how the business operates in between capital injections. So let's say you're a construction firm. You might get a little bit of money up front. But oftentimes, you don't get paid until the project is done. Well, how do you pay for the project while it occurs? Line of credit. Mm -hmm. That covers payroll and the other operating elements of that construction company. And so if the cost of capital is higher, it costs more for that business to operate. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the economy is slowing at the same time. So there may be fewer jobs. There might be more competitive bidding process to get those fewer jobs. And so when you have a higher supply of labor, and you have fewer jobs, then there's more competition for them. Sounds right? like stress. Well, it sounds like a recipe for margins to get pinched mm -hmm. if you're in construction, because your cost of capital is higher, and your opportunities are fewer and farther between. Right. Okay, so that makes it harder. These are economic headwinds. Why do I separate? I started to say, well, we have market challenges, and I, and I pumped the brakes, and I said, well, you, maybe economic. Yeah, because in that environment you just described, there are going to be companies that make more money. There, that's true. There could be an mm -hmm. advantage to certain companies. Right. Right. And so if you're picking the right stocks within the right sectors, you actually could stand to make money in a down economy. You could. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. Typically speaking, the stock market is a leading indicator right that's what a lot of people i feel like don't fully understand uh, yeah, right right so again that leading indicator it's sort of it, it sounds like what it's doing but it's the idea that that indicator is going to behave it's going to it's going to change early right? right and so, so you're saying that the the stock market could actually get out in front of the economy right and i think that's because there i mean 
institutionally, big institutions, what if they get a feeling that the recession is slowing and that things are going to get back on track? Wouldn't they be more prone to put money to work? And then you see a rise in well, the Well, perhaps. And yeah. here's the question. Why would that happen? Like, why do you think that could happen? Which part? Why, why would it be a leading indicator? And so there's this simple, simple concept going on in investing. And it is that you are trying to buy future cash flows. Right. Yeah, right? exactly. So if you expect future cash flows to be lower right then you would not want to pay more so if david <laughs> if you're sitting there and you think to yourself and you're convicted that the stock market is going to be 20 percent higher in a month you're going to be more likely to go and put money to work today right well and in theory i shouldn't care about the stock market itself i should care about if i think Okay, not a recommendation here. Let's just say uh, Caterpillar. You know, mm -hmm. they make heavy equipment and they mm -hmm. send it all over the globe, right? If I think that Caterpillar is going to have an increase in sales and an increase in revenue on the horizon, my expectation is higher future revenue. Mm -hmm. I would like to secure that price now in anticipation. Mm -hmm. it, it would, it's not the same thing, but it's similar to suggesting uh, I think we're going to have a really good harvest in the future. So I would like to, you can do this in farming, by the way, you can buy crop futures. So I'm going to buy corn nine months from now when it's ready to harvest. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I'm going to buy it today. When it, when you feel that it's based cheap. on a price of the guess of the future value. Now, if that corn crop comes in gigantic and it produces huge yield, then maybe the value of the corn is lower because there you know there's a oversupply mm -hmm. and people won't pay as much for it okay and and maybe it's not just the field i'm talking about it's other people's fields and so my field looks less valuable cuz i overpaid in an anticipation mm -hmm. but maybe i i guessed right and the crop is going to be priced really really well and so me buying it today in anticipation of a better future price my future earnings look better yeah. okay and the stock market thinks like that largely because it's trying to suggest the future looks better but if the economy is slowing mm -hmm. future doesn't necessarily look better but if the stock market is anticipating the future has it already assumed that the future looks worse and therefore lowered the price and that's where we just don't know we don't and that's the leading indicator with a crystal ball full of bullet holes mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like it's just not working so i can't tell you per se what the future is going to hold but what i can tell you is the market's probably looking at one of two things right because what happens tomorrow we don't know that part well i mean well what's the big data thing oh, for tomorrow? tomorrow the fed meeting happens right and it's going on now so right now jackson hole federal reserve their two-day meeting so they met today and they're going to Announce tomorrow what the market expects, which is a 50 basis point or a half a percent increase in the federal funds rate. Mm -hmm. So that should put it to, on average, about 4%. That should bump prime rate for most banks or other lending institutions to about 7.5%. Okay, So you, you get a sense of the rising cost of capital. If you're taking loans out, it costs you more. So we we're look at seeing that. that in a lot of different places. Seeing that all over the place. 
So we see the, the cost of loans going higher and higher and higher. And we look at that and go, all right, well, what does that mean? Well, next, we, we look at what, so what's the market going to expect, right? If the market expects that, what if the Fed comes out and says, we think we're done. We don't think we're going to raise rates anymore. Mm -hmm. Market probably gets excited and says, oh, that's a change in guidance. You've been telling us, be careful. This is going to last for a while. You come out and say something different, market may get excited. Or <laughs> the opposite. We could get a huge rate hike, and then the markets are like, wow, this is worse than we thought. Sell, sell, sell. Yep. And what we're really kind of interested in is whether or not – this is what I'm watching. There's a, a technical issue going on here where many, many people have been expecting the markets to decline. Mm -hmm. okay? So a lot of people went out and shorted the market, or they purchased put options in anticipation of the market going down. Mm. If they are wrong, any kind of news comes out to the contrary and the markets start to go higher – they may be forced to reverse their positions. And if so, that could lead to a significant change in the number of buyers in the market because they've sold early so they'd have to, to buy, buy back now. at a lower price. Now they can't buy back lower, so they need to buy back now before the price goes even higher. Mm -hmm. And that shift of demand to right now can actually drive prices even higher. Mm. So what I'm curious about is, do we get news that confirms that the markets may have tough sledding ahead, or do we get good enough news that we have a potential short squeeze and this market goes even higher? Ooh. I don't know the future on that one. But I what do know do the future know? of this show. Okay. <laughs> and so we will be right back where uh, we're going to talk about Christmas. How much are people spending? Um, are they nuts? Well, we'll unpack that when we come back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where we have now, uh, if you missed the segment, we completely predicted the future and with 100% um, AccuWonky. And yeah. uh, it, that is available via podcast tomorrow on the show we'll we'll post that tomorrow for now just remember tomorrow's news today that we made up so you got it <laughs> we're not going to make we don't make that kind of predictions on this show i like the warren buffett theory right which is you can uh, if you're going to name a price don't name a time and if you're going to name a time don't name a price mm, when it comes to smart. investing so yeah, yeah. i have blown that many times and uh Every now and then, I'll you get lucky. Your lesson. All you have to do is listen to every podcast in history to discover uh, what which ones were right. Okay. So go to littlejohnfs.com. You can see them there. Matt. Yes. My understanding is it's in the middle. Uh, we're, we're in a holiday season. Yeah. Christmas is upon us. Christmas. Uh, and, and a bunch yeah. of others. So I, yeah. this one, my family celebrates Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas and you want to say happy holidays, like cool, and, and whatever your holiday of choice, cool. I, I can't keep track of them, mm -hmm. right? I, yeah. I mean, I know that there's like Hanukkah is one yeah. of them. I know Hanukkah's in there, and then there is uh, Festivus. I think was one of okay. them. Right? Wasn't that from Seinfeld years ago? Yeah, uh, Kwanzaa is one of them. I, I mean, I think that there are a number of them that have just been sort of ginned up for different purposes. Some people are just there for the ham. And, uh, you know, whatever your 
preference or lack thereof. I'm not here to throw it in your face. I, I, I don't get this part. <sighs> if somebody wishes you happy anything and you find a way to get offended by it, unless it's, you know, like something like, you know, happy kill your parents day. And I'm like, right. you no, know, no, yeah. it's the, I don't understand that whole thing about like, how do people get so offended at like what somebody else does? Like just, yeah. just if you don't like it, disengage and do something yeah, else. You don't have to celebrate it, but <laughs> right, it's, it doesn't it's, mean you got to so, rain on other people's parade. It's so interesting to me that we, we have this whole like, well, you know, my feelings need validation, and I just kind of go, no. <laughs> I like that. No. <laughs> okay. Glad we had this talk. See you later. Uh, whatever. Here's the thing. We know in this holiday season, one thing is pretty common. Folks spend. They do. Right? They spend. This year is the highest projected spend since 2019. Is that why my credit card bill is so high this month? Oh, don't get ahead of us now. <laughs> if you're putting it on the credit card, we got to talk. Uh-oh. Right? We got to talk. Uh, but here's where where do you think the average family Let's start. I'm going to I'm going to go back in time. I know you're not looking sure. at the data, map. Uh, so this is a, a Gallup poll. All right. Just so everybody knows. So this is not my numbers. It's coming from Gallup. Uh but going back to let's say 2006. Mm-hmm. Wow, 2006. We're really well, going. Let's go back to 2000. That's fine. Yeah, I can't. We can we go back 2006. That what do you think the average family spent um, on individual or family? Family. Ooh. I think. Well, I mean, this was just person. I don't think maybe it's oh, per, per person. person. Okay, but per I, person. I, it says Americans estimated Christmas spending. Roughly, how much do you personally? Oh, is that maybe how much do you yeah. personally will spend on Christmas gifts? So I'm gonna okay, uh, then it's per yeah. person. Woo. Per person, I'm gonna say, well, you probably buy for like four to six people, hundred dollars a head, four to six hundred. I'm gonna, uh, we'll split the we'll split the difference, and I'm gonna go five hundred dollars. Yeah. So the average in 2006 was nine hundred and seven dollars. Whoa. Yep. In fact, there is not a point on this chart that is below steep. that number. The lowest that I see got down to $712 back in 2011. Pre-pandemic, 2019, mm -hmm. where did the number hit? 950. Very close. 942. Wow. Right? Wow. That's a lot. So, you know, uh -huh. a married couple spending 1800 to $2,000. Mm -hmm. Every Christmas. Mm -hmm. That's a lot now, of money. And I don't know if it's really, I mean, it's that per person. I imagine that it's its probably pretty close. I think families end up spending a fair amount. It sounds about right, if I had to guess. Uh, it fell in 2020 down to $805. I wonder if that's because people weren't traveling for Christmas and they didn't send gifts through the mail. Maybe, or who knows? I mean, I think it was a pretty depressing time mm -hmm. in general, and so everybody was still sort of shelter in place, and there was a lot, you know, the school systems were shut down. I mean, 2020 was an awful year. Yeah. It was, it was awful. So where did where where is it anticipated for 2022? I'm gonna guess right at that thousand dollar mark. Yeah, it's it's higher. It's nine thirty two. Okay, yeah. and that I have to say that really surprises me a little bit. Uh, what I should have done here. Let's well, try this because we're you know all the talk is about how we've kind of moved into this recessionary environment, right? And so 
inflation's been hot. There's kind of less money on the table because it's going to places, you know, like food, for example, and Mm -hmm. gas has been expensive. So the thought that people are spending at record levels in an economy where money's tight, that just shows that the American consumer likes to spend money. It really does. And, you know, I'm seeing – so I, I wanted to do this, and I'm, it, I don't have 2020 numbers because it's not done. Mm-hmm. But uh, you look at family incomes uh, from 2021, median household income, according to the Census Bureau, was $70,784. And if you figure the average family has well, four people in it – Well, take taxes out of that. Yeah. And I'm going, wait, four people in that family, and you're spending 900 bucks, so you're going to spend 3600 bucks. Uh, out of a se- roughly $71,000 of right. income. But and then you start take the, the taxes out, and so 71000 yeah. turns into... I'm just looking at it thinking, that's like 7-plus percent of your income for the year pre-tax Yeah, on Christmas. The Christmas tax is real. Yeah, it is. It also explains a little bit about why the fourth quarter for retail, and uh, remember historically, there, there was no racial context to this. Black Friday was about an accounting term, right? Mm-hmm. Going from being in the red to in the black happened over historically the the weekend of Thanksgiving when everybody went out in mass and bought Just stuff. Started laying those dollar bills down. And so it's really interesting here. Uh, and again, we did not pull tons and tons of data about this, but there's there's something very, very relevant about the the reality that how many people finance Christmas yeah right or again holiday of choice finance their holiday gifts sure i mean i think it comes down to an emotional experience really right the spending and the giving makes the person feel good and they do it regardless of the consequence because there's real consequences mm -hmm. when you're spending at record amounts and you have a you know a lot less money than you did the year before just due to inflation Mm -hmm. so I don't have data to tell you what, how many people go into debt, but it sounds like a, a lot. I mean, I'm looking at things like, uh, says, this is a survey from Bankrate. One out of four people go into debt during Christmas. Wow. Okay. Now, I don't know if that turns into debt for the year or if it just means that everybody sort of advances those purchases, pays them off in January and February, and then kind of settles in. But What do you say to that one person out of four that's just jamming themselves at this time of the year yeah it's it's, what i'd say is that you we really have to examine the point of the holiday first Mm -hmm. of all and and that doesn't surprise me uh there's a long string of things that i think we could talk about here i mean one of them is this is a huge problem in in our country in particular but, but a consumer dynamic want versus need Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the other is how many people give out of expectation, not out of excess, right? Yeah. You know, it's... you know, there's a lot of psychology that goes into the why people give, whether it's compulsory, you know, it's, it's, it's expected. There's a lot of social pressure around this. The, I mean, the hard, I think part of it is, have you ever gotten a gift from someone where you weren't really expecting it and you didn't have a gift for them back and you're like, oh, now I got to get them a gift? Yep. I mean, that drives a lot of it. The, the, absolutely. There, you know, And we do have 
most people have this desire to sort of have the scale balanced. Mm -hmm. So it feels weird to have somebody be disproportionately kind to you and to not do something back in kind. Mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a psychological term called emotional reciprocity, right? So you just want to be balanced. It feels weird if you're constantly receiving nice things from somebody else. Uh, it, it can feel so weird that it can make people un, not just uncomfortable, but it can change their behaviors to the point people will really push back and go, stop giving me stuff, right? Mm -hmm. This is it. I don't feel good with you doing this. Just stop, right? <laughs> Which is probably the exact opposite of what the intention was of the gift giver, but nevertheless, it can happen. Yes. So, yeah. uh, anyway, why do we share this? Mostly context, right? I mean, I think it's really important that. Uh, once you know a behavior is real and you call it out, then you can no longer pretend you're naive to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's not be naive to, uh, and, and I'm also, by the way, I'm a really big proponent of this when it comes to gift giving in general. The, the dollar figure associated with it is not the same as the value associated with it. I think yeah, people true. often weigh things out, and I would say, if you're a great shopper and you buy something on sale, it doesn't make the gift, le gift less valuable because mm -hmm. you were a great shopper. <laughs> Right. Okay. So that's an interesting dynamic in and of itself is some people they target, well, I have to spend this much or I haven't fulfilled my obligation. They go, well, now you've, you've, you've done trapped yourself, haven't you? Mm -hmm. So one way or the other, you're going to make sure that you punish yourself in this process. Uh, so I would I'd be careful about it. There's a lot of contextual framing that we need to be aware of. Frankly, um, I would be a, a much bigger fan of everybody in this country getting back to uh, the, the basics of whatever the reason for the holiday is for you, a little bit more caring about other people and a little less worrying about the gifts the, themselves. The gifts themselves, yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, everything that I know from my experience that, that I gain is the stuff is just stuff, right? Mm -hmm. we, we have this thing called hedonic adaptation where you get used to the stuff. You buy a nicer house and pretty soon it's just your house. Mm -hmm. Right. The nicer house stops feeling different than anybody else. It's just your house to you. A nicer car becomes just your car. Right. We quickly become adapted to the stuff and then we seek another way to fill that feeling. And I will tell you, my, you've, if you've listened long enough, you've heard my true wealth mantra. Right. Money's how you trade time. It's the relationships and memories that matter. So let's keep our focus there. Right. Anyway, if you're going to go out. Spend a ton. We got to talk about debt. <laughs> okay. We? But I'm looking at the clock and we're running long. So let's do this. We're going to grab a break. When we come back, believe it or not, I'm going to say something crazy. What if I told you not all debt is bad? If you're curious, stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with... Matt Dixon. Okay. Matt. Yes. We are already... We're getting we're getting some people that are contributing, and this is fun, mm -hmm. for our financial terms of the day. Yeah. Remember, the instructions are simple. Okay. You give us the term, we're going to invent the definition. Some people are sending us their definition as well, uh, which and they're fun, but uh, you're... That's... We're, this is our dictionary. This is our show, dang <laughs> we it. We just, well, the, the fun is, I'm, you could tell me if you're curious, like, well, I think it should be this. And, and we'll go, well, 
I don't care about your feelings. Yeah, <laughs> right. That go. was the last segment, right? I don't care about your feelings. I just want the Is turn. that the title of the show today? I don't care about your feelings. <laughs> your feelings don't matter, right? The market just, doesn't care about your feelings. Are you all out of caring, David? <laughs> oh, I am totally not out of caring. Uh, that is not the case. But at all. it's just you don't care in the right areas. How about that? I don't know. I, look, uh, I I think that uh, I just want people to play the game because. The, the, where this came from, I'll give credit, right? This started with Derek Simmons. One time he was yep. on the program and, and he invented a handful of terms and just said, here, what would these be, right? So that that was the idea. Now, if you want to give us a term, remember, email to info at littlejohnfs. You can text to 541-375-0898, or you can go to our social media page. So you go to Facebook or wherever else you can find us and you can leave them there. And so... We've got the team. Heather's curating these things. She's sending them to us. We're ready to rock here. But before we proceed with our financial mm-hmm. definitions, we are going to talk a little bit about Yeah, because you left us off with this little line that said, hey, what if not all debt is bad debt? And it's then a, you let the listener just kind of mull in that. Like, wait a second. Yeah, wait. Th- okay. There can be good debt. This Tell is going to fly in the face of Dave Ramsey. He's rolling in his sleep right okay. now. If if he's asleep, you know, he's well, probably a, they're only a couple hours probably not listening to this and his response if I had to guess would be well, of course he's going to say that because, you know, CFPs and they got a different curriculum and this mm-hmm. and the other. But we don't do that cuz debt is dumb. And I would say, okay. All right. I'm like, I actually get where he's coming from. But the all the other thing is, uh, this is the cult of Ramsey, where mm-hmm. th- there's a reason he says this. Right. Yeah, it has to be generic enough. It's so not that, that the debt is dumb. It's that the debtor often is dumb. Yeah. Right? There, therein lies the issue. And it's because sometimes you don't need that level of risk in your life. Mm-hmm. OK, but let's talk really generically about the difference between good debt and bad debt. Okay. You're sleeping in your car, and you have enough money for a down payment on a house. Okay, so yeah, that would be a situation <laughs> maybe, that's pretty awkward. Maybe moving into the house might be a good option and taking yeah. on a little debt. <laughs> gonna, well, Matt's going to get uh, really grassroots granular yeah. here. Like, like, so, if you're only eating ramen, like, no, that's not, <laughs> well, uh, here's how I like to think of this. Okay, okay. When debt ends up being... Good is air quotes, right? Debt ends up working for your benefit mm-hmm. when you can arbitrage. Define arbitrage for our listeners. Okay. So arbitrage, my, t- my temptation is it's like a bird, right? Uh, so there's Ooh, an albatross and an albatrage, right? <laughs> so no, oh, arbitrage is when you can borrow at one rate and invest at a higher rate and make the difference or the spread between those two rates. Mm. Okay. Common example is banks. Okay. You put your deposit in a bank, they pay you some interest, but they loan the money out to somebody else at a higher interest level, and they use the difference between what they pay you and what they receive from the borrower to run their operation and pay everybody. So That's when the arbitrage. credit union is paying you 0.05%, and then they loan your money at 4%, they're making the arbitrage between those there two rates. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting animal because, and where it's most commonly used is the purchase of a home. Mm-hmm. And it works pretty darn well, particularly if your home is appreciating in value, right? So if you buy a home for $250,000, 
and then you later sell it for $350,000, mm-hmm. then the asset increased in value. Yes, you paid interest to somebody else to own it, but if the increase rate of your home exceeded your interest rate, and that interest rate is kind of tricky with housing because oftentimes what you pay, but you get to deduct some of it, so your effective interest rate is lower than your actual interest rate, mm-hmm. Okay, you may be able to arbitrage an asset purchase. And this happens in a lot of different ways, too. It happens in lots of places. This is what developers do, is they borrow money to develop something and turn it into more value than they started with. And so that's how they leverage their investment. Mm -hmm. And so debt in that respect can work very well, but it cuts both ways. Like right now, if the housing market or real estate markets in general are declining in value, you may see the asset work against you. You borrow money. And then the asset shrinks, and now you're upside down, right? You mm-hmm. could owe more than you've got into it. And if you sold the asset, you'd have to pay to get rid of it because you'd have no equity at and all. that's happening right now. I've it seen is. it multiple times. People get upside down in their house because they bought it at the peak. Mm-hmm. And they thought that it was going to be an investment. They were going to live there one to two years, and now they can't sell it for what they bought it right. for. This happened to me personally early on. The mm-hmm. first home that my wife and I bought together, we had just gotten married. We were building the house while planning our wedding. We were not living together at the time, right? I mm-hmm. started out with this house, and then I was like, hey, girlfriend at the time, what do you think about this? And she says something to the effect of, stop asking me. It's your house, not mine. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I know how to fix this. <laughs> so <laughs> so then she had input. Uh and so we we built the home together and moved into it with the idea of living in it for two it, years. Wasn't this right around the 2008 we housing We moved in year? in December of 2005, right at the peak, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And we spent what should have what was supposed to be two years, and we spent 12 years because we were very upside down mm-hmm. in that home. Now it worked out in the end because we just brute forced our way through it. But it was not a investment by any stretch, other right. than well, we had a. We wanted a place to live, and when you are the owner and not the renter, you have a little more freedom in what you do to the place. Sure. Right? But that was the story. Now, why do we point this out? What's bad debt? Okay, I mean, there's a bad debt's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, credit card debt that is charging you 20% interest. High interest debt. Yeah. Right? Especially anything that is unsecured, Mm -hmm. meaning... Great. It's up to you. If you don't pay this, you're on the hook to pay it back, right? Mm-hmm. With a mortgage or most commercial loans, there's collateral. So the agreement is if you don't make the payments, the lender takes the stuff and everybody walks away. Right. Okay. But in a situation where you don't have collateral, and that's what credit cards yeah. are all about, right? You can buy your groceries, you can buy stuff, but the stuff goes away, the obligation doesn't. You're still supposed to pay That's it back. That's a good way to put it. Now, you are the collateral, right? Mm-hmm. Your future earnings are the collateral. So, yeah, anytime debt doesn't have value behind it. Right. If it's not secured by assets, then I would suggest that you immediately can identify that as bad debt. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and this is, this, this is where... 
you get into nuances of debt, and you the, also get right because the car thing. We've talked about this a little bit. It's a depreciate depreciating right. asset. I'm going to go take on thirty thousand dollars of debt for something that's going to be worth fifteen thousand in five or six years. But how else are you going to get to work? You live right. twenty minutes away. Yeah, and now you're talking about. I've I, I it's not like a real term. It's a Dave term. So I like I say, Dave terms. I call it a, a use asset. Right. Mm -hmm. You're financing a use asset. You can pay too much for a use asset. And yes, then you it's, can. And you're basically carrying around a boat anchor. Right. right. On your finances. Yeah. But if you do it well, yes, you're carrying around uh, extra weight, but mm -hmm. the extra weight allows you to go faster. So it's like, well, what if you're carrying around an engine? Right. Then it's going to drive you literally in this case. Mm -hmm. So that can it lead the, you to something more profitable. It's the difference between the $80,000 brand new vehicle and the $20,000 brand new right. vehicle. Yeah, you need something that's within your capacity. Mm -hmm. And it's also why oftentimes as people advance in wealth, they they do less uh, they buy vehicles often through businesses because there's other tax ramifications and that goes back to the effort at arbitrage. Right? And now you're managing tax rates as part of your arbitrage. Otherwise, a lot of people just pay cash for their vehicles, mm -hmm. right? Because why fuss with the finance? Right. And so so that tends to happen as you become more financially mature. But but the trick right now is, and, and here's the problem with debt, okay? Debt is like uh, lots of things. It's like power tools, like kitchen knives, mm -hmm. handguns, okay? All of these things with the wrong operator are terribly dangerous, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like you can hurt yourself or worse with all of them, right? Including debt. Okay, so and and now we get back to the real thing about Dave Ramsey. Okay, where Dave Ramsey nails it is, if you are a financial train wreck because you don't have either the acumen or the understanding or the discipline to financially behave, you can't have debt. Mm -hmm. Okay, like you're just not allowed, right? I, I, you know, I'm not giving a three-year-old a kitchen knife. Not safe, right? Not capable. Right. Just that ain't happening, okay? And, and if you're so, bad with your money, you and, just... and if that's you with your finances and debt, you don't need debt, right? We got to take yeah. it out of your hands. So you cut up the credit cards, and you just don't do that anymore, mm -hmm. okay? If you have the discipline and sophistication, which is a real honest self-assessment here, yeah, okay, maybe you can get away with it, right? But I'd rather, you know, our job here is education. I don't need to put the training wheels on and tell you, okay, you can only do it this way. I'm going to tell you there's lots of ways to get it done, but you better be self aware enough, right, to push back from the table because mm -hmm. the spoon doesn't make you fat, the operator does. Right. Okay. And that's how finances work. That's how lots of things in life work. And on this program, Right today was that we don't care about your feelings day. We're just going to tell it like it's real. We it's continued real. that theme. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's come a lot of ways. Look, let's uh, let's take our last break. What are we doing when we get back? When we come back, it's official. We are going to unpack financial definitions. Stick around. This is the True Well Show. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Listening to News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where it's officially time. 
for the the we, we I guess it's actually the new segment that's the old segment that's the new segment. We have got a few. We're gonna. I it's think so we need more than one. That it's modern, right? Mm. But we got to do more than just the one. So we have requested that people send in financial terms, and the question is, are they real financial terms, or do they just sound financial? And our goal is to. We want to amass financial terms, and we're going to start a, a web page, and we're going to be um, working from there. Okay, so we're we're talking about we're going to build this out. We want to do this every week. So we have some submissions today. I'm going to go through and see uh, a, a few of them, and we're just because we have more than one, uh, and so we'll, let's see. One of my favorites that I saw early on was okay. Uh, uh, this one, we'll, we'll see if it has a, a definition or not. Monification. Monification. Hmm. That's what. What is monification? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna say it. It. Ooh, you stumped me on that one. Do you got anything for that? Yeah, I think this is when math teachers try to get a student interested in a problem and By they turn a story money? problem into using money. You know, right? so I, I, love I, I, that. I'm having trouble with the concept. Well, let's put it in dollars for you. Let's put it's it in yeah. vacation. That was really one of the only tricks that worked. <laughs> <Right? Like, laughs> it's a math teacher. Right? I, don't, I don't know how you knew that, but that that was the all trick. of a sudden students are like, well, speak to me in the language I understand. It's like, yeah. OK, well, train A leaves the station going this fast and train B is going on the other speed. And they go, I don't care. And said, well, train A has chocolate and train B has peppermint. And they're like, oh, you have my attention now. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. Monification. Yeah. So monification. That was a good one. Uh, let's see. Uh, this one here, crypto credit. I feel like FTX, like that's the crumbs that they handed out. Like, here's your little credit. You're going to get paid one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. crypto credit is the the promise that you will be paid from a cryptocurrency right yeah. right it'll be worth something right take it on crypto credit we right? promise now give us your money <laughs> okay so we'll we'll have uh, we work with that what else do we have here wasn't consumer sediment one of consumer them? sediment made the list yes yeah, I, I just envision like the consumers just like sunk down in the mud right and they're just like with their arms extended like save me from the quicksand <laughs> i i think consumer sediment if if uh, uh cpas should probably appreciate this this is when you show up during tax season with a box of receipts and no other records Oh, <laughs> and you're just like, we're going to sort this out. You go, oh, I'm going to be up to the consumer sediment. We're just a bunch <laughs> of just muck. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I bet you a CPA somewhere is smiling. Somewhere's like, yes. And you just warm their heart. I have seen the shoebox of receipts. Yes, it's, it is a, a consumer sediment. And they just are like, hey, you got it mm -hmm. from here, right? <laughs> oh. Yep. So now this one, this is kind of an interesting one. Fungible allocated asset classes. Wow. Right now. So fungible so, is something that we can feel. And, and the uh, the acronym is FAC. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like somebody in Boston is angry. <laughs> um, fungible allocated asset classes. Right. Oh, allocated. I have to say, this seems like financial sleight of hand behind the scenes when uh -huh. you walk in to... Uh, like a, a, 
an institution where somebody is new and they don't know what they're talking and about. And they're trying to sell you a product well, that you don't really know. Right. And they start making up things about the product. <laughs> and and they say, well, you know, there's stocks and bonds and they'll, they'll the manager does this over here and they can buy options. And before you know it, you're like, yeah, that's a fungible allocated asset class right there, isn't it? <laughs> it's the equivalent of you just, you just and made then it up and keep recategorizing exactly. it. The, the person nods and says, yes, that's exactly what it is. And yep. like, I made that up. Just like you did. This one was fun. Pity cash. That that just oh, sounds man. like that that actually sounds like the stuff that you keep in your car so that you don't feel guilty Here, when somebody's asking for a handout. Here's pity cash. The inflation is so high that when you tip a dollar a dollar to someone, they're like, that's pitiful, right? Like <laughs> yeah. a tip can no longer no be a dollar. You. Yeah. <laughs> Inflation's too high. If it's not five dollars, they don't care. Yep. Pity cash. Let's see. Um Yep, and we got consumer sediment in there too. I think I may have another in here. Let's see. Ooh, gastric arbitrage. Oh, that sounds painful. That does. <laughs> uh, gastric arbitrage, it, that sounds like when you planned to have an effective arbitrage, but it's going against you, and so now you have heartburn as you're watching I was, it. I, I just imagine being like bloated with debt, right? Like someone. Oh, gets, that's good too. Gastric so, arbitrage is debt bloat. Yeah. Oh, okay. These were fun. Well, look, uh, look into the clock, and the music's playing. We are out of time. Thank you for everybody that participated. Keep an eye on littlejohnfs.com, and we will have those posted for you to enjoy later. But we're out of time for now. Matt, how do they reach us? 541-375-0890. All right. If you need financial help in any way, shape, or form, give us a shout. But we are out of time for now. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.